in your frock. And uh, come on, you can come. Come on. Thank you. I uh, this, I invited uh, Esther Victor to come and share with us today. Uh, I met them through Larry, Pastor Larry and Pat. And um, there was a connection there in my mind. And uh, Brother Jacko, he's going to be with the Lord too. I was also wanting to get them here. I always connect to the history of the Pentecostal movement around the world. I study them. I get to know them. It's a joy for me uh, because that's how Christianity is really spread around the world in a very powerful way and uh, got to my country. It was new when I was saved and uh, to my country. And uh, there was a man that championed it in my country, uh, Benson Idahosa. That's the way they say it in the United States. But it's Benson Idahosa. Yes. Yeah. He says, Benson, I said, sir, your tongue needs some help. No, <laughs> it's Benson, Idahosa. Yes. Idahosa, that's American. <laughs> but uh, that was the champion. He's the father of Pentecost in our country, well known all over. But he's, he actually, before he started his ministry, came to. Uh, Dallas, uh, what's his school now? Christ for the Nation. Christ for the Nations. And we're well aware of that in Nigeria. And his father was Benson's spiritual father, teacher, and all. So I met him and I said, I got to get this guy to me. Maybe some of his things were rubber for me. So we're so glad to have you here today, both of you. And I'm going to turn the microphone over to you guys. And let God lead you. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor. It is apparent to me that there's a father and a mother in this house. There's few fathers, Paul said. And the the gifts of the Spirit are flowing. That's disappearing. You know, I usually try to be funny, but I feel like weeping, you know. The gifts are flowing. The presence of God is mighty. You just hug your neighbor right now and say, I sure do appreciate you. I need the Jesus in you, and you need the Jesus in me. Go ahead. My name is uh, Victor Thompson. This is my wife. You want to say something? Go ahead. Do you get your this your microphone? This was given to me by him today, but it's not my microphone. I just want to say thank you. What an honor. I was honored to be here in a prayer meeting, too. And I know they gather here at 6 o'clock. The doors are open to pray. And I have hope. And hope is the door opener to faith. When you pray, you receive. Because Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. And these people ask and they pray. And that's why you, you've come into this presence of Lord. It's so beautiful. And the beautiful worship leader here and the team, thank you so much. Bringing down the presence of the Lord. And people uh, volunteering to do children's work. It's wonderful. It's a gift. It's a church. The local church is so important. So we are honored, honored to be here. We have a little church called Wild. We are pretty wild, but it means in his book, Word in Love Demonstrated. Glad you said that. He is born in Brazil. His parents were missionaries there. I'm born in Norway. It's a far away. 
But you know, the Holy Spirit is all over the place. He does no difference from where you're from, where you're coming from, what your background is. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful that he's all, he can see us all and touch us all at the same time. And there's a, the same words your sweet lady here, first lady, opened with, I love you already. That was the word God gave me last Sunday when we had church. It, not all of it. You were so much more powerful. <laughs> but it was about that he can counter here and the sparrows. Why do we cry? And this morning I was thinking, I can't preach because this is the preacher. But I, I have to say, he, the Holy Spirit said to me, what we love to do, what we do, why we do this, why do you travel, why you don't. You don't get rich. You just get rich by seeing what God wants to uh, save people. And that's, that's in me. That's, that's the heart. See that he heals people. He restores people. He sets them free. Yeah. Amen. And, Amen. And he told me this morning, we are here. And that was about stop crying. He said, I will make your morning into dancing. That was, yeah. I woke up with those words. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will make a wor- morning into. So we're going to do one song, and then Pastor Victor is going to preach. Hallelujah. And beauty to ashes, too. We have CDs in the back, and they're all original by the Holy Spirit. We, God gave us all these songs on the CD there back there. So you're welcome to. Take away my fear. My shame, you take away all of my pain. You are my intimate friend, oh Lord. You are my intimate friend, oh
Praise God. Praise God. I'll help you down. I took a dive one day, landed in a lady's lap on the front row. Amen. I, I guess the Lord wanted me to be humble that day. Amen. Turn in your Bibles. My text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Oh, this one. Thank you. I want to say before I start, I'm here to lift up the Father. I served my father for 35 years. And I served Jack as long as I knew him for the five years I knew him. And I served them not for what I could get, but I served them to keep them going. The last few years of my father's life, I took care of my mom so he could continue teaching at the Bible college. There is a, there is a joy in serving. And I want you to know when you learn to serve, you become a son. And you become a daughter. I remember these men, people that used to come to my house and eat with us. One was this dignified, very handsome man from Nigeria. I didn't know who he was. I remember him praying in the prayer room, and, and I just got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a young, young whippersnapper, and remember despising this prayer that I heard from this well-dressed man. Ba, 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 ba. And I thought, well, I have more syllables in my, in my language than that. What is this? Ba, 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 ba. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't know me like he knows me. It wasn't about the syllables. It was about the connection with God. Come on, somebody. I remember my daughter when she was filled with the Holy Spirit, my oldest one. She said, Dad, how do I know when it's just me or if it's the Holy Spirit praying in tongues, this, this heavenly language? And, and, and the Holy Spirit quickened me. I said, Honey, when you're thinking and speaking out of your mind, it's just you. But when you're praying up out of your spirit, this river of life is coming forth. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. One, one, little girl, one little baby was praying on her knees and, and saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. And granddaddy came by and she said, he said, honey, what are you doing? She said, I'm saying my prayers. And, she, and he said, well, it sounds like you're saying your A, B, C. She said, well, God knows what I'm wanting to say. And he's going to put it together. And so I'm just praying it, A, B, C, D. It don't matter what you say. It's the prayer of faith coming up out of your spirit like a river. Come on, somebody say amen. Ah, for though you might have 10,000 pastors, teachers, you have few fathers. When I met your pastor, I used to miss it when I was younger. I don't miss it anymore. I know when I'm in the presence of someone. Who's a father. But he's more than a father. He's more than your pastor. And you already know this. He's a father to many sons. But it has, it's just only begun because it's the increase of the kingdom. He has the ministry to increase the kingdom. And I saw sons not just uh, African but American and European. I saw many, many sons. It goes further than that. Because I felt like the first time I met him, 
He's a father to the fa- to, to the to the fathers. He's a father to the fathers, to the pastors and to the to the teachers and the evangelists and the prophets. So I I I, I meet these few fathers. It says you have ten thousand instructors, but few fathers. And when I meet them, I know it because I've been with them and I know what they're like. So I want to say this. You know, you're supposed to say nice things about the pastor. I'm not doing that. I'm here to help you connect with the father and connect with your father here. Somebody encourage me a little bit. Amen. I may run out of here scared. Look what it says. You have 10,000 instructors, teachers. The word should have been didiskalos. Paul should have used, and I, Paul, and he used the right word, trust me. The normal word for teacher is didiskalos. It means it's where we get the word scholar. But he uses a very strange word, pedagogos. It's where we get the word boy. You have 10,000 boy leaders. What? And you have to come and look at this. What is a pater? He is an amater. They are those who have the heart for the children. They have father's hearts. And then you have to look back at pedagogos, boy leaders. You have all these teachers and all these preachers and all these pastors and all these evangelists. The reason they're called pedagogos is they don't have father's hearts for the people. And it's still true today. Few fathers we have. I remember... My son, when he was young, it came to my attention that he was not learning to read, and we're going to keep him back a grade. So I started when I I started noticing when I would say something, he wouldn't hear me. The boy's not listening. So I thought I need to teach him to listen. So I started making him come to me and repeat after what I would say to him, and he he wasn't listening. He wouldn't. So I would take him and I'd say, "Look me in the eye." And repeat after what I said. And you know, he would, I'd hold him, and you know how that, that, that fleshly spirit is. He's like, I said, you either look me in the eye and repeat after me, or you get a spanking. I know, I said it in church, spanking. I got them. They did me good, amen? I'm glad about it. And you know what? I had to wear his bottom out a couple times. And I got his attention. I had to reach his will. Once I had his will, and he's smiling, he's eager to repeat what I just said. Now, what did I say? He repeated to me. Guess what? He became an honor roll student. But I made a mistake. I wanted to give him some incentive to learn to read. So I said, and he wanted my knife from my great-grandfather. Beautiful knife. Folds out, has an elk horn uh, handle on it. He would admire it. Daddy, can I look at it? He'd admire it. I said, son, if you learn to read, I'm thinking some years, right? The boy, the boy is like six. Yeah, I'll give you this when you learn to read. Well, I've got to tell you something. I wanted him to read me Psalms 91 out of the Bible. Within months, he read to me Psalms 91. And I'm just hearing some like the, 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 the people of God. Well, Father, aren't all your promises yes and amen? 
So I was forced to give this knife to this six-year-old because of what I said. Of course, I had a talk, you know, about safety and how you're not supposed to have it out around people. Well, it wasn't very long before I heard the commotion upstairs. And I heard girls screaming. They said, his sisters. And I run up the stairs to see the unimaginable scene of a little boy hanging on the door like a monkey going like this, ha, 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 with his knife. As my daughters go in and out trying to escape from his, as he's slashing at them. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? You know, my son was not in the knife season. It wasn't the right season for me to give that promise to him. And guess what? I took it away. He was going to kill himself and everybody else. Amen? A lot of Christians, God, you said, we don't respect him as a father in his seasons for us. If you don't give it to me now, you're not. I even, I, I cringe every time I hear a preacher say, and if God don't do it, he's a liar. Really? I thought he was sovereign. I thought he was dead. I thought he knew when the best time was. Come on, somebody. I thought he knew when I should have it and when I should not have it. Give a kid a gun and what's he going to do? He's going to shoot himself and everybody else. And a lot of us are like that. Lord, you said you do this and you said you do that. We must respect the seasons that God has us in. Can you say Amen. In Hebrews 12, verse 5, I want to say that without correction and instruction, the young will follow their own path. I want to say something to these two twins. I know you're freaking out right now, right? You are very special to the Lord. You're not just regular twins. Are you twins? There's a calling on your lives, both of you, to lead your generation. Now, I know you don't want to hear that. Maybe you know. Do you know? There's a calling on you to lead your generation into freedom. And you have not yet seen the depths of the depravity of your generation. And I'm glad because your mom and dad protect you. But unfortunately, you will. And God will raise you up to lead. A generation of young people who are completely lost and fatherless. And fatherless. I thought when we were worshiping, I felt God say, would you tell them that they're special to me? So I have done my job. Can you give them a hand? Somebody over here lost a loved one to cancer. Right here? Okay. I knew it was over here somewhere. I kept staring, trying to find. Can I tell you something? I'm telling you this from the Lord. You shall not die of cancer. The curse is broken over you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it runs in your family. It shall not touch you. And the Lord has given you the power to lay hands on those around you and to break it off. That curse is a curse against life. It's rebellious cells. It has no business continuing. You better stop it. In Jesus' name. What do you think? Yeah? 
Hebrews 12, verse 5. But ye, if ye be without chastisement, where of all our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. I said it. It's a curse. That's why it's a bad word. I didn't say it. God did. A bastard is the word nothos, of uncertain affinity. If you don't know who your father is, it's a curse. Asperios, an illegitimate son. I've got good news for you if you have Jesus, and Jesus has taken you to the Father. You have a Father in heaven. You are not illegitimate. Say amen. But it says... If you be without chastisement, by which we all have to be chastised and corrected and spanked every once in a while by the Holy Spirit. I get it every once in a while. You should too. It's not fair. Amen. And he affirms my position in him by correcting and chastening me. If I get away, I remember one time I got my feelings hurt. God let me get away with a sin and I didn't get caught. I, am I not your son anymore, Lord? You should be glad that your sins find you out. God cares about you. Oh, somebody. I want you to get this sonship. The illegitimate take correction as rejection. I had a daughter like this. She just wanted to take every kind of correction as rejection. I had to go over myself, hold her and hug her and love her and kiss her and spank her. And hold her and love her some more. She took everything that spirit was passed on in the family as rejection. No chastisement is an indication of illegitimacy. So he affirms you as his son with chastening and correcting you. Can you say amen? Generations have been saved without uh, discipleship, without fatherhood. And many homes have been orphanages, not because the, the father is dead, but because he's off chasing his own dreams, fulfilling his own needs, and not being a father. You're called, when you have children, you need to be a father. Come on. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, we see Paul going to get something he's preached. He's been preaching not to, you don't have to be circumcised in the faith. He takes a full-grown man, and if you know anything about circumcision, for a full-grown man, that is very, very painful. He takes Timothy and circumcises him. I would think I would have heard some or some kind of reaction out of the crowd with this. Not something that you would do, right? Why does he do this? Well, Timothy, his father, let me just say this. Paul did it for, for ministry. It was the act of a father in the ministry to a son in the gospel. Timothy's father was a Greek. He was not a Christian. He had never been spiritually fathered, talking about Timothy, by anybody. And Paul did not circumcise him so he would be accepted by God, but that he would be accepted by men. Now, when you have a covenant, you have to have a cut. When you have a covenant, there has to be some pain involved. This is the cutting of flesh. You can't have a son without some kind of cutting. I'm not talking about physical cutting. I'm talking about spiritually. You need to cut on some flesh. The flesh must be removed. A lot of people talk about, oh, you can't cast out flesh. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Why did Jesus say, where the carcasses lie, the vultures gather? You think he's talking about nasty birds with 
uh, you know, hamburger meats hanging out there. He's talking about where the demon, where where there's a lot of flesh exhibited. Demons gather to feed. They feed on flesh. There's a lot of Christians feeding demons uh, everywhere they go. They're so fleshly. The demons follow them looking for something good to eat. Because they're plenty full of flesh. They've never been dealt with by a father. They've never submitted to authority. They've never known how to give up, give and serve those over them and honor authority. I thank God for some of the Africans. They really do understand covenant and they understand service. But you know what? We lack it desperately here in America. We don't even know how to do it. You know, we're going to have to be taught. You can't force it, but you got to teach it. You got to come in and you got to, you got to teach us how to, to, to honor covenant. And you got to teach us how to be sons. You know why there's few fathers? Because there's few sons. I like to laugh, but I feel like crying. There's so much loss since I've come up. I used to have, you know, Hagen ate in our house. I didn't know who these people were. All these great men of God, and they're gone. I don't see people replacing them. I don't see these men who are gone. You know, somebody asked me, why is your dad so great? And you know what my answer was? Well, you know, he picked cotton from morning to night. There aren't men like that no more. He would pray and sing in the cotton fields from morning to night. They don't make men like that no more. I was determined to be a man of God, so I served men of God. I got to know what one looks like. I got to know what one does. How I'm supposed to act. So a son in the ministry must place his life in the hands of a spiritual father. Some of you are called to ministry. Raise your hands. Another half of you won't. You should be not coming in. This is my ministry and and you need to recognize me. You should be serving in your father's field. Before you plow your own field, plow the field of your father's. Have a name. Bear your father's name. I'm the son of Dr. Carol Thompson. I'm proud of it. He's going to be into heaven. I feel lost sometimes. But he, that, that character of his kicks into me sometimes. And I find myself doing things I never did before. I've seen three raised from the dead. One was my daughter. I would have never prayed for somebody to be raised from the dead. They're dead. They're dead. But when you're a father and your daughter is flatlined and they're giving up, you cry out, Stephanie, come back to your body. And you're screaming and they're trying to get you out the door. And six times she did that. On the seventh, she stayed. And, and she said, Dad, there's nothing to be afraid. She was the one who's afraid of death. Why do we have to die? And she said, Dad, there's nothing to it. It's just like stepping into another room, and there's a bright light, and there's a presence of Jesus, and you never want to come back. And, Dad, I didn't want to come back, but I never disobeyed you. You kept saying, come back to my body, so I did, but I didn't want to. I wasn't Elijah. Come back to the body now. I, I was, Stephanie, please. 
Come back to your body and live. It was the cry of a father over his, his, his daughter. And I've seen others raise the dead. I don't have time to go into it. But I want to say that Jesus Christ is risen and is alive. And if you will walk by faith and believe that he can do this, nothing impossible, he'll do the impossible. You don't got to worry about it. Amen. Just stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. Stop Stop hanging out, backing off, and, and not doing what Jesus tells you. Your friends are your friends. So Thank you. you. You see me sweating, don't you? Your friends, thank you so much. Your friends are your friends because they need you to be who you are in Christ. Come on. Well, I need to get on with this. I never finished. For full, effective ministry, Timothy had to yield to his father with a knife. <laughs> you have to trust your father to perform the surgery and righteousness and do right by you. No, some of us don't trust nobody. You can't. You, sonship's never going to happen for you. If you don't learn to trust, it's not going to happen. Isaac, what a son. Now, there's a son. He submits. He's like, Father, where's the ram? God will provide, son. They get up on top. Father, where's the ram? God will provide, son. He will. He gets the cords out and starts binding his son up with cords. He lets them. He lays him down on the altar. He lets them. There must be some trust here. He must be thinking, if he's facing to kill me, I, well, God will raise me up or something's going to happen, right? I mean, I wasn't born for nothing. I mean, don't my life have a meaning? I mean, am I the ram? He raises the knife over his head. About this, at this moment, I'm past my sonship. Help! Dad, you lost your mind. Oh, let's pray right now. Oh, blah, 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 blah. oh, dad, 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 you lost your mind. Are you with me? He yields to his father's knife. He's about to plunge it down, and the Lord says, No. Look there in the thicket. There's the ram. <laughs> That's the best Baha he ever heard. Amen. I'd have been crying with him. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. A son in ministry understands that, that what you may feel like an offense in the flesh is actually the removal of your flesh. We must be dealt with. I must be dealt with. Don't get me, let me get away with myself. I wish somebody was listening. Some flinch at the first sign of a knife. The first sign of pain and I'm out of here. Bleeding, they feel wounded by their, their, their leaders. And, and by being circumcised of their flesh. And they, what they do is they abandon their father's house. Accuse them of all kinds of things. And they, they're led by pain, and they prove by their slanderous departure their need for circumcision, spiritually speaking. Sadly, they go from house to house, leaving a bloody trail. They come in like they left, amen. And then seeking to escape pain, they escape purpose. And they escape their calling, and they escape their purpose in the kingdom of God. And in refusing to be cut, 
they're cut off from their potential in the kingdom of God. This is more common than you know. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide, cut up and down, to divide spirit and soul. It even shows the intentions of the heart. Amen. I had a wonderful friend. He was American black, a black pastor, old, old brother, Brother Baker, down when I pastored in the Gulf of Mexico. And he was always teaching me things. I had a church. He had a church. We loved to get together. I was white. They were black. When I got with them, I was black too. They, they do, you know, they doing this. I'm, I turned the butter with them, amen? Whatever they did, I did, Amen? They could dance, and they could praise God. But he said to me, Victor, and a lot of times he'd say things to me, and I didn't understand what he's talking about, kind of like Jesus with his disciples, you know. He said, Victor, if a dog bites you in Georgia, he'll bite you in Texas. I'm like, really? Okay. What does that mean? He said, you figure it out. I said something stupid like, well, I'm white. I don't understand how y'all think sometimes or something like that. And I have to understand you. Can you make me understand? I really did look to him like a father, even though we we're just pastored each other right down the road. But. He was, he, was, he was so full of grace and, and wisdom. He said, son, relocation doesn't change his nature. Got a lot of sons relocating everywhere. Nobody belongs anywhere. Our millennials can't commit to nothing. You want to know why? Are you ready? They're fatherless. Oh, I thought it's because it's the computer generation. And, you know, they just, you know, they stuck, they're in love with the computer, and that's it. They're fatherless. And in the last days, I will turn the hearts of the father back to the children, and the children back to the father, lest I smite the lamb with a curse. You think it's talking about mom and dad? It's talking about mom and dad. But it's talking about more than that. You got churches that don't have identity. Don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to be, they're going to use you until somebody better shows up because they are trying to build a monument called Babel to the heavens. And let's put our name on it, such and such ministry. And let's put my name on it, you know. And they will use you up and spit you out. And you never knew what sonship was, ever. And you don't know why you don't want to go to church. And you don't know why, you know, you can't hear God. So many Christians sleeping around, you know, and they have, think in their head, well, it won't, it won't affect me. I'm a Christian. I just say I'm sorry. You know how many demons you joined when you go with a prostitute? Thousands. You think you're covered by the blood of the Lamb when you come outside the bloodline? 
You think Joshua, the son of Nun, was, would have lived if he come out of that, that, that blood that had been applied to the doorpost? You think he would have lived? You're not protected when you're in sin and outside the bloodline. You say, I don't believe a, a, a Christian can have a devil. Really? Well, you just slept with a bunch of them. Well, I just say, I'm sorry. You just became one with a thousand demons. And you wonder why you don't hear God? And you wonder why you can't retain the Word of God? You can look at a magazine and understand every word, but you, you, you quote one verse and you can't retain it. Don't you know there's a, there's a, there's a, there you have, there's things that are being identified with you in the heavens that should not be identified with you and it brings confusion into your spirit? There is a lot of ignorance in the church today. We need fathers to tell us. Not just tell us not to have sex. Tell me why. Tell me the cost. Tell me what it's going to do to me. The confusion it will bring into my spirit. The horrific things that have to be cut and circumcised out of my life because I allowed the devil to come in through sin. Can I have an amen so I know you don't hate me? A lot of fathers just want to have employees. I'm the coach, you're the team. I'm the manager, you're the employee. It takes pain and time to be a father. Employees are paid to do something, and if not, they're fired. But sons, sons are raised to do something. Sons are raised. There was a rich corn farm, uh, corn farmer, and the woman came to him. She says, I don't understand. I used to preach in Romania all the time, so when I start talking in language, you know, I pretend like I'm a Romanian or something. I don't understand, you know. Because they're always talking like this. Why do you torment me? You know, okay. So anyway, I don't We pick things up along the way. You as a father to me, you may tell me not to do that after this. Amen. I will listen. I will listen. Amen. I'll probably start talking like you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know you got a lot on you, but if I could, if I could rub shoulders with you, I'd be a most blessed man. God's favor's on you. You think this is a big church? Not for him. He has a church all over the world. I saw him two years ago on, uh, online talking about uh, some uh, ministry to Africa coming from out of Houston. That was you. The Ark Fellowship. I imagine all kinds of animals. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Which one are you? Amen. How about that? Go ahead and tell your neighbor what you are. Amen. I'm a bear. Just make sure there's two of us. Amen. I don't want to be alone. Amen. Oh, rich corn farmer was asked by the lady, why do you work your son so hard when you can afford to buy to pay employees. He said, lady, 
I'm not raising corn. I'm raising sons. <laughs> I've got a horrible verse for you. Are you ready? There are verses in the Bible that scared me to death. I don't know if you ever read Revelations, but Lord have mercy. You better, you better have your coffee. Amen. There's one in there that says, to him that does not overcome, I will blot his name from the Lamb's book of life. I say, what? Does that mean what it says? If I do not overcome, I could be that man. There's another verse that goes like this. I preached, you preached in my name. You healed the sick. You spoke in tongues and you cast out devils. And you healed the sick and I never knew you. What? I never knew you intimately. I don't know about you. That scares me dead. That actually could be me. All I have to do is listen to this body right here. This flesh will take me to hell. All I got to do is start listening to it, do what it says. I want this, I want that, and I'm gone. Do y'all read the scriptures like I do? You're not literalists. This don't mean what it really says. It means that, you know, God may be, but not really. He, he, just, want, he just wants to encourage us to not... And when I see some things in the Bible, I'm like, why ain't nobody preaching this, you know? I needed to hear this a long time ago. Look at this one, Deuteronomy 23. Now, don't get upset. I don't want nobody leaving. Don't leave. You're here by the blood of Jesus and you're God's son. Go ahead and say, I'm God's son or daughter. Go ahead. All right. Look at these poor Old Testament people. A bastard, don't cringe, we're in church. An illegitimate, what does your say? Oh, y'all picked a nice word, illegitimate. Don't want to be that curse to come in the church, amen. An illegitimate shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. They are not allowed to come to church. Even to the 10th generation, you poor sap. Your great, 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 grandfather cheated on his wife, and so now you're not allowed in church. Shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. That's pretty harsh. Fathers who do not serve, and now let's bring it to the New Testament. Fathers who do not circumcise their sons leave them as bastards. Not as sons, but generations of illegitimacy continued. I can preach that here because you're, you have a father in the house. You remember Moses? God took this serious. He came to Moses before he went to deliver Israel from, from uh, Egypt. And he had Moses by the neck and started squeezing. And he's choking. Actually, he's dying. His wife, Zipporah, beautiful black woman. That's right. How about, by the way, Judah was, was they were darker. They, they were from, they were, well, let's not get it. The Kenites were black. So there's a tribe in Israel that were black. So all the black people get happy. 
Amen. Anyway, God's killing Moses. He just called, I thought you called me to deliver Israel from bondage. I thought you, and his wife, and everybody's down in Zipporah. Everybody thinks Zipporah's an evil woman. So while God's got Moses, and he's killing them, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's dying his last breath. She knows what's wrong. Good wife knows what's wrong. She took the knife and circumcised their two sons. But she took the, skin, the, the, the bloody skins and threw them at his feet and said, You serve a bloody God. When you don't do your job as a man of God, you embitter your wife and make her do things she don't, she's not even called to do. Wasn't her job to circumcise those boys. It was his job. God, when it was done, God led off of his neck and he was able to go and fulfill the kingdom of God. Amen. Have you ever had God take you by the neck? 20 years ago, he took me by the neck. I was minding my own business. Preaching and singing and doing the things for the kingdom. And they tell me, I have traveled with my father everywhere in the jungles and of, of the Amazon. And in, and in the Amazon, the dust is everywhere. Open Jeep. So I developed terrible lung problems. And by this time, they tell me I have emphysema. And they tell me, you have a year to live. Well, that's a downer, man, you know. I mean, seriously? Are, are you kidding? I mean, what about drugs? They got some drugs? I mean, uh, what can I, can I do? You know, what can I do? You have a year to live. I went all over around it. Are you kidding, right? Well, is there anything I can do? No. It's, it's, it's progressive. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. Well, that was a downer. Lord, I thought you said you called me to do this and this and that. I thought you, I got, I got kind of dark. People got miserable around me. I was pretty miserable. About the end of that, I came to the end of myself. I said, God, you know, everybody laid hands on me. Nothing happened. I thought nothing happened. And I said, Father, if you just let me take a church and fulfill the call of God, just I'll die serving you. Something about that. Coming to the end of myself. I was thinking pretty bad by that time. Just attitude, you know. Can I, can I just be real? I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to respect me after this. I got so angry with the Lord. I said, well, I'll help you. I'll help it along. I'll start smoking. So I started puffing on a cigarette. I was so angry. My life was over. Ministry's over. Things were, you know, happening for me at that time. And uh, now I can't, you know. If you're not going to heal me, then I guess we'll just get this over with. I'm coming on to heaven. So, stupid boy, just say, just go ahead. Go ahead. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But when I came to the end of myself, oh, y'all don't look at me like that. Y'all done some things wrong. You get yourself naked and everybody wants to make fun of you. Amen. And, you know, at the end, I said, Lord, if you'll let me serve you. So I took a church down here in the Lake Jackson area. And I started loving people. Lost myself in it. And one day, so the kids came and shot me. Disrespectful children shot me with some water guns. So I got me a water gun and went to war, amen, and running everywhere. And, and the people saying, Pastor, don't do that. You know, we've seen you spit up blood. And I was like, well, I feel pretty good. 
And by the way, he shot me. Oh, you're gonna get, you know, and I went after him, you know, with a water gun and shooting everybody. I mean, I killed them all. Amen. They were all baptized again. And uh, it, the realization came, Pastor, you're not sick anymore. I was healed along the way. I was healed along the way. We are intrinsic. We got a lot of stuff around us. When somebody lays hands on you and prays healing, you're healed in Jesus' name. But you need to understand there's a lot of junk around you that needs to come to its end. Let it come. Let it come. That alcoholism needs to go. That lust needs to go. That anger needs to go. Come on, somebody say amen. There are those who I've sat under who were not fathers but butchers. They became jealous. When you're too strong, that's like the... The stallion and the herd get rid of the young uh, stallions, you know. They're afraid of strength. You want to know how you know when you're in a strong church? I can preach it because I'm in one. Did you know David had men around him that were better than him? They could have taken David with a just... You ever read David's Mighty Men? A strong leader... Is not afraid to put men around himself stronger than him. Come on, somebody. A weak leader, you know how you know a weak leader? You go into church, you start looking for the leaders around him. If they're weak, he's weak. You didn't know all this stuff was going on, did you? If you remember the sons of Jacob, they did not have father's hearts. Jacob became cursed. And angry. You've made me stink in the, in the land. Remember his daughter Dinah? She started hanging out with the daughters in the land. She got raped by the prince of the Havites, Shechem. I could have told you that stay away from him. His name's Shechem. Amen? Shechem. He raped her. They found out about it. They came and they said, we want to make... We want to make peace with you. I love her and I want to marry her. And we want to serve your God. Well, you have to be circumcised. So they circumcised them. On the third day, Simeon and Levi took their swords. This is the day when they can't defend themselves. They're in the most pain on the third day. They took their swords and killed the men they made covenant with. And Jacob wept. Verse 30, you have troubled me and made me stink. There's another verse you don't have up here. He said, I will divide you and scatter you all over Israel. And that's what those tribes did, were scattered. Simeon and Levi, because of what you've done today. They did not have the hearts of a father. There are some in the church, and, there's, and there are more. I don't want to be negative on, on, on the bride of Christ, because when you do that, you're... you're you're, uh, you're talking bad about God, Jesus' girlfriend, amen? And no, no man wants you talking bad about his girlfriend. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of churches, the, the fathers in that house will castrate, castrate every son beneath him in order to be the only source of production in the house. A man who's insecure as a father becomes a destroyer of all of those around him who might be a father. 
I can say this because without a shame because of the man of God you have. You should, I don't think, he's not the kind of man probably wants you kissing on him, but he sure deserves a lot of hugging and loving and maybe a kiss every once in a while. Amen? Just, you women just don't do it. He's married. Amen? I think his wife may have something to say to you. Amen? She, she's a beautiful princess, isn't she? A queen. But a real man of God will, 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 will do what it takes to raise up a son. But these men, they only wound to take away, not to give. I want to end with Elisha and Elijah because you can't talk about sonship without talking about these two. One, it's unfair. One goes up in a chariot. <coughs> the other one dies, sickness unto death. But he has a double portion of anointing. And it ain't over because he lays in the, in the grave and they throw a dead body in there and they, that dead body comes alive. There's a lot of power in that dead body, amen? So here's Elisha's sonship to Elijah in verse 16 of 1 Kings 19. He says, anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. Verse 19, he finds Elisha driving a big John Deere tractor. I mean, uh, 12 oxen, same thing. He's a successful farmer. He don't need to be in no ministry. He's making money. He throws his mantle over him, his coat, his outer garment. This, is, this represents his calling, his anointing. His purpose, his ministry. He throws it upon this young man. And in verse 21, the young man responds by slaying the oxen, boils the meat, gives it to the people, also burns his plow equipment. Why is he doing that? Well, he may be like me. You just sometimes, you need to burn your bridges or you'll go back. Once your hand is to the plow... There's no turning back. Burn your plowshares. Follow Jesus. And in verse 21, then he arose and followed Elijah and became his what? Son? No, servant. He didn't say, well, you know, I've got a calling in my life. I'm very good at worship and, uh, you know, I need you as a father and the Lord to acknowledge my gifts or I'm not coming here. He didn't start saying, what can you do for me? He arose and became his servant. He served his father. I served my father. I have no regrets. I have no regrets when it comes to my father. Before you plow and sow your own field, Plow another field, the field of your father. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, I'm almost finished. Elijah said, I'm saying that by faith, amen? Slap your neighbor and say, stay, stay here. I meant love. I, I say things in the Greek. You know, Greek means, you know, no, I was kidding. Elijah say, you know, you get away with it. Just say, well, in the Greek it means no. Elijah said, stay 
I got one person, probably a Greek, a Greek scholar right over here. Elijah said, stay here. And he says, I will not leave you. Sonship is persistent in its service. Sonship sticks it out to the very end. It also speaks of a loyalty that, seek, that when you seek your own ministry and you're ambitious, ambition is only loyal to itself. I know you think that ambition is not a bad word. I think it is. Because ambition keeps me from serving. Because I'm looking out for myself. Ambition is only loyal to itself. You must be loyal to those that God's called you to serve. Come on. It seeks its own. Uh, seeking one's own leads to disloyalty. The prodigal son, his sin was against his father. His father wasn't dead yet. Yes, his promises were true. Yes, he had an inheritance, but it wasn't time yet. And then in verse 10, he asked the question, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. The answer that Elijah gives is astounding. If he was me, I would have said, oh, Elisha, you served me. Out of all the schools of the prophets, you have been the one that has been my son. Of course I will. He says this to him. If you're still with me, yes, and if not, no. Sonship is not something that you can lay hands on somebody and impart. It's not automatic. It has to stick to its calling. It has to stick to its service. And it has to stick to its father. You either step into it and receive it. You know, salvation is a choice by election. But sonship is a choice also. And it will understand it's in the knife season. There were times my father, we would go to great places and great crusades, and he would let me preach. What an honor. That the man of God would sit on the front row and listen to me, the upstart, big mouth son. I did my best to not embarrass him. What an honor. But he was first. And if he wanted to preach, I amen him the loudest. He had, an, he had a support section in me to the day he died. Miss my dad. Feel alone sometimes. But then this mantle comes upon me. I get braver than a lion. Not afraid of the sickest one among you. I'll pounce on you. I'll reach over the the chairs to get to you. I know what you need. It's on me. It's on the sons. But it didn't come easy. And when Elijah went up, verse 12, and he looked up and he saw his father going up into the heavens. He said, my father, my father, The chariots of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces as a mantle came down and sat upon him. I end with this. 
Quaker family lived in Pennsylvania. They were Quakers. They don't believe in violence. They don't get involved in wars. But the son, determined to fight, ran off to join the North in the Civil War. One night, the father was woke from his sleep by a terrible dream. He dreamed that his son was wounded and needed care. He got on his horse and lighted out to the parts of uh, uh, to uh, what was uh, a true story, by the way. Uh, trying to think of what battle that was. So he, he found the, the the battalion that he was a part of, and the, the the commander said he hadn't seen his son. He said he might be out there in the battlefield. Here, take this lantern because it's almost dark. There were young men's bodies mangled everywhere, crying for help, the cries of the wounded and the, in pain. How can I find my son among so many? So many. He began calling out loudly as he went through the night, stepping over the bodies. Jonathan Smythe, thy father seeketh after thee. And he would step over the bodies as they were crying and they were dying. Jonathan Smythe, thy father seeketh after thee, he would call out in the dark. And he would hear, oh, I wish that were my father. Oh, I wish my father were looking for me. Oh, where's my father? It's the cry of this generation, where's my father? And he went on searching through the night, Jonathan's father, Jonathan Smith, thy father seeketh after thee. And as it was getting towards the morning and and he, the, the blood was all over his boots. He heard a cry in the distance. Father? Is that you? I knew you would come. I'm over here. And he ran to that voice. Father, I'm over here. It didn't take him long to get there. Took him in his arms and picked him up, dressed his wounds, wiped him clean, put him in his buggy, to, took him to a safe place and nursed him back to health. The cry in the church today. We need fathers. The reason there are so few fathers is that there are so few sons. Oh, I can preach. I can teach. Are you, are you a didascalos? You a teacher? You evangelist? But do you have a father's heart? Are you willing to go under the knife and be dealt with by the Holy Spirit? You know, Jacob was dealt with by the whole, by Jesus in the wilderness. And he named the place Peniel. You know what that means? Face to face with God. He walked with a limp. God left an impression on his flesh because he was a fleshly man. When you will face your flesh, you will come face to face with God.
If you will face your flesh, you will come face to face with God. You young men, God didn't set you up for failure. You're supposed to overcome your body. You're supposed to be pure. Now that it comes into your house, comes on your phone, doesn't seem you stand a chance. You better cry out to God before your flesh gets so large you're addicted forever. You women, you thought I'd leave you out? You let your emotions lie to you so bad? You think loneliness is the worst thing? You try being in a marriage that you're bit, that it's, it's, it's wor- there are worse things than being alone. You're not alone. You have God. I think we need to face our flesh today. If the, if the team will come. I need to pass it over to the pastor. Can I do some things? Okay. What time is it? Don't look. Okay. Don't look. (laughs) May I say that your chicken dinner is not burned. God will turn it down for you. Amen. And besides, he likes a burnt offering, so enjoy it. I like the verse that says, all the fat is the Lord's. That's my favorite verse. <laughs> Don't you love it? Praise God. I need thee. Uh, give me a G. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to One more time. Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Yeah, I need thee. You girls still thinking about what I said? Oh, bless. You're like, not me. I'm not that big, ain't I? Now my Savior. You are thinking about it, aren't you? I come. She got that look. Would you please leave me alone to thee? I'm not going to leave. The Holy Spirit not going to leave you alone. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Oh, yeah. Every hour. Come on. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. If God's speaking to you right now to face your flesh, come on up right here. Come on. You need an encounter with God, you come right on. Come on. You need to be filled with the Spirit, you come on. Come on. Get up. Come on. Get up. Get up. Get up out of that chair. Don't wait to get home. I need thee. Let's all stand. Oh, bless me now. 
oh my Savior, I come to Thee. I come to Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Thee. There's enough power here to completely set you free. Put you on your feet again. You know what you need to do? Get rid of some friends. Look into your master's eyes and look into your Savior's eyes and say, you're worth more to me than this. You treat me better than this. You're way so much better and good than this. I've been a fool. Oh, God, I want you. I come to thee. I set you free. Stretch your hands to the Lord. I set you free. I set you free. I set you free. I set you in the sonship. I set you. You're a daughter. You're a son. I set you free. Rhonda, you want to help me? Son. My son. My son. I set you free. Fight the fight of the Spirit. And you will win. Amen. You are my son. You are my son. I set you free. Be set free right now. Be set free. Be set free right now in Jesus' name. I set you free. I set you free. Be set free right now. Oh, daughter of Zion, rise up. Oh, daughter of Zion, rise up. Rise up in the power of his might. Completely yours, Lord. Completely yours. I'm completely yours. You can sing whatever you want to. Go ahead. I'm completely yours. Be set free. Amen. I embrace you with sonship. I embrace the man of God. Rise up, O man of God. Rise up, O man of God. Raise up a sword, O man of God. Strong man, Joshua. Joshua. Joshua, come forth. Joshua, come forth. I didn't make you strong for you. I didn't make you strong for me. For you, I made you strong for me. I didn't make you strong for you. I didn't make you. I made you strong for me, says the Lord. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Look in the eye of your accusers. Just smile and say, I belong. I have a father. 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 I set you free, men. May the man of God fight the good fight right now. Fight the good fight right now. I break it off. Everything coming down from your fathers. Be broken right now. Every corner being able to receive the light of God. You are a son of the living God. I'm coming. I set you free in your heart, in your mind.